It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. For the love of Pete, it's something you might say when your car gets damaged, but that won't get you the help you need for your vehicle. As someone named Jake, what you should be saying is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there for help filing your claim 24-7, whether it's on the phone, online, or on the award-winning State Farm mobile app, however you choose. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode number 380 of Locked on Raptors for Tuesday, September 18th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked on Raptors. You can find links to every single episode. And of course, of course, of course, make sure you're checking out the Lockdown Podcast Network team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams. We got Lockdown Fantasy with Josh Lloyd, Lockdown NBA with David Locke, and you can find them all together on the Lockdown NBA iTunes channel. If you're an NFL fan, make sure you're checking out the NFL Network as well. If you are interested in what happened in the Monday Night Game, for example, listen to Lockdown Seahawks or Lockdown Bears to get the latest and the local perspective on both of those sides in that game. Uh, if you are a fantasy fan, we got two fantasy. NFL podcast for you, more of a daily show, and then it's sort of a uh, bigger picture fantasy show as well. So make sure you're checking out both Locked On Fantasy NFL shows. Um, we got so much. There's Locked On NFL with Matt Williamson. He's got a lot of great guests on every week, including Mike Sando of ESPN every week, I believe, on Thursdays. Uh, endless stuff there. And then on the college side of things, Locked On College podcasts are pretty much fully launched at this point. So if you're a fan of a program, Odds are it has a Locked On show accompanying it, so make sure to check that out. And if you find a host or a show on the network that you like, please make sure you're subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all the places you get your podcasts. Best way to support the shows, as always. And uh, it makes me feel pretty good when we get those ratings for Locked On Raptors. We have a lot, a lot of new ones lately, so thanks to everyone who's taken the time. And uh, if you haven't left one yet, get off your ass and do it, please. All right, on today's show, we are going to be heading into preseason question number five, and joining me for this one is uh, our pal Vivek Jacob. How's it going, buddy? Pretty good, pretty good. Season's getting closer. Yeah. In action right now, so it feels it feels like it's starting to get real. Yeah, I'm very much uh, feeling the itch a little bit. I've been kind of in off-season mode, but the more I think about Kawhi Leonard actually being on the Raptors, and like it's very real. On Friday, he's being introduced. Uh, mm-hmm. which I believe we'll both be at. That should be awesome and exciting and fun, and maybe we'll do just like a giddy 
high-pitched, squealy, giggly podcast after that press conference on Friday. I don't know. We'll have to see. But um, Maybe it's... we can get Giddy Pods as a guest, too. <laughs> Just complete the... <laughs> I forgot about Giddy Pods. Giddy Pods has competition now. Eric Moreland is the newest Raptor. That... Wait, what? You didn't see that? Oh, no, breaking news for Vivek. Uh, Eric Moreland has been brought to invite to training camp. Personally guaranteed deal. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, Eric Moreland is a guy that I'm pretty stunned I haven't come across in the ranking of the all-time Raptors. He feels like a guy who would have played for bad Raptors teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he didn't. Uh, he was on Detroit last season and uh, didn't do a lot. But nice little bit of big man depth, I suppose, if that's what you want. Um, so we don't really need to cover Eric Moreland, but that's news, I suppose. Uh, today's podcast is all about the uh, preseason questions carrying along here. And question number five for us is going to revolve around two guys who the Kawhi Leonard-Danny Green trade might have most affected in terms of their potential playing time, and that's Norman Powell and C.J. Miles. So today's preseason question number five is essentially, what do these guys do on this team and where do they fit, and how is this season going to play out for these two guys? So, um, I don't know. Who do you want to start with, Vivek? I guess we can start with C.J. just because um, I would like to assume that he'll have more of a role mm-hmm. at least to start the season and you know with norm i think he's really gonna have to earn his spot and figure out where he fits in uh whether it's the bench mob or if he somehow squeezes into the starting lineup because danny green really struggles or something you know um yeah i feel like cj i, I think will probably be uh on that bench mob unit and we can expect to see minutes for him at least early on so yeah, I start there. Okay, cool. Uh, so CJ Miles last season, it was pretty much as advertised. Maybe a little, a little bit less uh, accurate in his three point shooting than he was in previous seasons, but the volume was certainly there. He averaged twelve point two threes attempted per thirty six minutes, uh, which is by far his career high. He pretty much was just out there to provide spacing to the second unit. Uh, he didn't play, I think, as much as I thought he was going to coming into the year. You know. Before the season started, I thought there was a chance he was going to start. I thought he was going to play some crunch time lineups. I thought we were going to even see him at the four a little bit, like we saw him play in Indiana at times. That wasn't really the case. He played mostly the two and three, and he only played 19 minutes a game and was pretty much relegated to bench duty. Didn't really finish a lot of games. Had some nice clutch moments in the playoffs, but... Um, you know, I, I think the role he had last season was a little bit depressed compared to what I thought he was going to have. And because of that, I kind of just think he might have the exact same roles he had last year, and he might not be all that affected by the the, the, the trade and with Danny Green and Kawhi Leonard coming in. Because I think, you know, if you just assume that the starting five is going to be sort of shaken up a little bit and it's going to be either Serge Ibaka or OG Ananobi who's affected by that. That doesn't really touch CJ's minutes, I guess. Um, And, you know, Danny Green, while he's, you know, a nice player, a very good defensive player, he's not the most consistent. He's also a little bit older. I've been around the block a little bit, so maybe there's some room for CJ Miles to sort of compete for minutes with Danny Green there. Um, I don't know. Let's just start with, I guess, the role and the minutes that you think he's going to play. Like, what do you think is a reasonable expectation for CJ's role this season. Do you think it's going to be kind of stagnant and the same as it was last year? Is it going to be depressed? Is it going to be expanded at all? Um, how do you see it sort of playing out for him this year? So he played 19 minutes a game last season. I would expect that to be about the same range uh, just because of the volume three-point shooting that he provides. Um, 
the one thing I would like to see him improve in is his non-corner shooting mm-hmm. from beyond the orc. Uh, I think I think that was that was a weakness in his game, and uh, that's something that would help, especially that bench unit, which you know struggles to shoot. Um, if Ibaka moves into that lineup, obviously that helps. But uh, yeah, if, if CJ can make more of those above the break threes, uh, that make that'll make a big difference. Um, Danny Green, uh, he will presumably be in the starting role. Um, he shot 36% last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I assume he's going to be better because you know he talked about playing uh, with an injured groin pretty much all of last season, and you assume that he'll be healthy going into this season. So, just with things like you know getting the right elevation and just feeling comfortable, you assume he'll be above that 36% mark. Uh, so CJ will have a bit of competition to be better better than the 36% he shot on 6.5 attempts. Um, besides that, I don't know if you could if, if it's fair to expect that much more from him defensively uh, yeah. from what we saw last year. If anything, uh, the guys around him might make it easier for him. Um, and you know, <laughs> hopefully the Raptors won't be in situations where they're stuck having to put him on Kevin Love like we saw in the playoffs. Uh, so. That's going to be the biggest positive for him, I think. Just having, uh, just Nick Nurse having so many more defensive options that he can sort of hide CJ a bit more. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast. And being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow alternate routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to alternate routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Yeah, I wonder if that sort of bounty of defensive wings the Raptors have now is what's going to eventually kind of lead to Miles being, you know, a little bit pushed out of the rotation a little bit because, you know, it's really easy to assume because of Dwayne Casey being the coach the last five years that they're just going to run with a 10-man rotation and it's going to be very strict. And, you know, especially after last season when the bench was so good, um, I, I think, you know, it might be easy to assume that maybe they'll just keep it the same way. But as we've talked about with Nick Nurse, I think he's going to try to change it up. I don't know if we'll see the sort of hockey changes like we saw last year. And if that's the case, maybe the rotation gets trimmed down a little bit. Obviously, they're trying to keep guys like Kyle and Kawhi fresh, but I do think there will still be times where there's just not 10 or 11 guys getting into a game for the Raptors in a given night, and maybe CJ's minutes become a casualty of that just because of the defensive upgrade that Danny Green is on CJ and because DeLon Wright might play a lot of two and and Fred Van Vliet will and Kyle will and that'll kind of squeeze him out a little bit and then if you're assuming Kawhi's playing 35 minutes a game or something close to that maybe 32 33 at the small forward spot and then you have OG also cycling in there like it just quickly becomes that there's not that many minutes available um, on those wing spots because of how loaded they are. So I wonder if just as the season carries on, if Nurse is going away from having the bench mob just go out there and play 10 minutes a half, 
that I, I wonder if maybe that leads to CJ's minutes kind of going down. And that kind of leads me to sort of my, I guess, hot take, bold prediction or something about CJ. But I do think that by the end of this season, and maybe not through any fault of CJ's own, just because of sort of how the roster shakes out, I think people will be looking at CJ and kind of being disappointed that he's about to definitely accept the player option for eight, eight-ish million bucks he's going to have for next year. Um, I think people will be looking at that and seeing, being like, ah, we're really getting $8 million worth of production out of him. And I just think it'll be because he doesn't have quite as big a role on the team. And I, I don't, I'm not rooting for that to happen because I think CJ is very useful. Um, but I just think, you know, there are so many better defensive options that I think Nick Nurse is going to want to try to maximize the amount of time he can play with really good defensive players on the court. Uh, what do you think about that potential? Yeah, I think you're spot on with that. Um, in terms of the cap, so I think Shams put out that the cap will be at 109 in 2019 20 mm-hmm. and then 118 uh, the year after that. So um, this is. Obviously, a big year for both CJ and Norm in terms of validating. You know, obviously, I think it's a bit of a surprise that uh, the Raptors re-signed Freddie and then didn't really look to make a cap move. Mm-hmm. I thought that was, that was something that was a realistic possibility once they re-signed uh, Van Vliet, but good for them. They didn't they didn't need to do that. But uh, I think the more I think about this now, it's kind of crazy how much um, Serge Ibaka's role will affect CJ Miles mm-hmm. because if they sort of stick with Ibaka and Jonas in the starting lineup then you're probably looking at um, you know Danny Green and Kawhi but then now OG's shifting to the bench so now that's eating into CJ's minutes but if they go small and now you've got Danny Green and Kawhi and OG in the starting lineup I think mm-hmm. that opens up room for CJ to sort of keep things uh, the way he had them last season Right. So, um, yeah, because you look at DeRozan, he played, I think, 34, 35 minutes a game last season. So, you know, Danny Green is probably not going to eat up all of that. Uh, he's probably looking, you know, maybe somewhere in the 26 to 28 range. And then, you know, that's where I think it would open up for CJ and he can play more of the shooting guard role. Uh, maybe not as much at the three or the four uh, because of the wings available to the Raptors. Um so yeah, the more I think about it, 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 the Raptors were deciding what they want to do in the starting lineup, whether they want to go big or uh, go with you know uh, a heavy wing lineup. I think uh, that's going to make a huge uh, difference for both CJ and Norm. Mm-hmm. We'll get to Norm in a second, um, but yeah, it's kind of interesting if you're looking at the depth chart for the Raptors and like the ideal depth chart, not the actual one, and you're trying to line up like who's going to get minutes at the two. I'd honestly almost prefer, just based on the defense and sort of the skills that they bring, and just with CJ not quite being the shooter he was over the last couple of seasons before he came here uh, last year, that like CJ might be like the fourth or fifth best option at, at any time for the Raptors to run out as the shooting guard, right? Because they have... Danny Green, they have DeLon and Fred, they have even Norm at times perhaps, they have, you know, maybe they go super super big in the starting five at times, or just in whatever lineup they have on the court, and they have Kawhi playing the two, like, I think there's just going to be a lot of times where CJ's just kind of going to get squeezed out just because he's not the ideal guy to have, 
Um, mm-hmm. And maybe it doesn't matter so much for the regular season. Maybe they'll just want to cycle guys in, keep guys fresh, keep everyone having an opportunity so everyone's ready when the time comes come playoff time. But I think particularly in the playoffs, like CJ might not see a second of action in the playoffs outside of situations where they just need a shooter on the court in like a clutch right. situation at the end of the game because – you know, a big problem with CJ last year, and it wasn't just him. He was playing alongside DeMar and stuff like that. But a big problem with CJ was that he was so one-dimensional and his defense was so easily targeted by opposing offenses that it just became so detrimental to have him on the court. And he wasn't making it up with his offensive value, despite being a very nice sort of way by which the Raptors, you know, inject some space into the into the, into the lineup, whether it's with the starters or the bench. So um, I think that's definitely a concern. We'll continue on with this talk about CJ in a second, but I got to tell you about our sponsor for today, and that is Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats is an online ticket marketplace dedicated to providing fans of live entertainment with experience that lasts a lifetime. With Vivid Seats, listeners can watch their favorite teams and artists perform in person, and Vivid Seats helps fans find their seats to any of their favorite live events, including sports, concerts, theater, and more. If you want to go find an event, you, you're, you're trying to find tickets to a game, it can't be, it's not the easiest thing in the world. Vivid Seats has you covered. Vivid Seats offers great prices and an easygoing purchasing experience. With the podcast code LOCKEDON, listeners can receive $20 off of orders of $200 or more. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download Vivid, the Vivid Seats app. Enter promo code LOCKEDON and receive $20 off orders of $200 or more. All Vivid Seats confirmed orders are backed by 100% guaranteed, so you're not getting screwed over by fake tickets. So make sure you're going to the Google Play app, app Store, wherever you get your apps on your phone. Download the Vivid Seats app for free. Enter promo code Locked On to receive $20 off orders of $200 or more with Vivid Seats. That's Locked On for $20 off orders of $200 or more. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but really the first words you want to say are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And trust me, as someone named Jake, that is a fact. That's the phrase that will help you feel good knowing that you have people who can help you find the right coverage for the things you want to protect. Insurance doesn't need to be complicated with a State Farm agent. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits you because your situation is unique. And State Farm is there to help you feel supported with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. And when you need ways to get help, don't yell or be angry because State Farm gives you options there too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com or their award-winning app. State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, let's uh, maybe work Norm into this conversation a little bit because I think there's a way in which these two kind of overlap, both him and CJ, and I think that is with trades and sort of the potential of trades. And, like, I'm not sure this season will be quite as heated as seasons past where we're talking about what the Raptors are going to do midseason in in regards to trades because they're so damn deep that they don't really need to make any moves. Um, But we talked about the cap implications of having both of them on the books. Obviously, Norm's extension kicks in this season. He's making quite a bit of money. You know, if you have your fifth and sixth wings or whatever it is that you view CJ and Norm as, as making $18 million, that seems like a place in which you'd want to try to cut some money. Um, 
I, I know there's lots of stuff. I, I personally, it's not my money. I don't care if they pay the tax. Go nuts. Like, I feel like it probably sends a pretty good message to Kawhi, whoever else is on your team, that you're invested in being good and successful and, and paying for a good team that has a chance to make it to a finals. But you never know. And maybe it just makes sense at one point to try to grab an asset of some sort for CJ Miles and Norman Powell. Um, do you think there's a potential, like, let's start with CJ, I guess, then we can transition to Norman, talk about his trade possibilities as well, but I think CJ is probably the more guy right for being traded just because it's a smaller contract, a little easier to move, and he might have a more marketable skill set on the market for some team looking for some shooting because everyone's always looking for shooting. Um, if you had to, like, peg it at a percentage chance that CJ Miles gets moved this season, what do you think it would be? The chances CJ Miles gets traded, period. Uh... Uh, yeah, I'd say there's a decent chance. I'd probably say about 30%. Because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you look at the Raptors' um, tax situation. If they're at a point where, you know, Norm has found his game and all of a sudden he's uh, starting to test CJ for minutes and obviously he's a better two-way option than CJ, then that's something that you have to look to do. And, you know, again, with the cap, in terms of the tax, you're only paying... Uh, the tax based on what the cap, what your cap situation is at at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So um, you can write this out till you know pretty much February and figure out uh, you know what Norm's giving you, what CJ's giving you, and then go from there. So uh, I definitely think there's a decent chance one of them gets moved, uh, depending on how they start out the season, how it carries on into you know uh, December and Jan and Feb. I almost uh, wonder if when they have to make a decision. Yeah, I almost wonder if Norm, the fact that maybe he could be sort of showcased a little bit for a deal might also kind of take some minutes from CJ in the early part of the season. I don't know if that's something that's in their calculus at all, but it's interesting to think about because I think if they could get off one of those deals, Norm is obviously the one because it's much longer and it's for more, more money than CJ. Um, and like, if he's playing at close to what we think Norm can be based on his first couple seasons, then maybe that is a bit more of an attractive trade chip to dangle out there as opposed to a guy who's got a bit of an odious player option, you know, comparatively to what he is as a player at this point. Um, so I think that's interesting too. Let's let's get into Norm here because we've kind of talked about him a little bit in the, over the course of the offseason, but he, in large respect, he's been kind of a forgotten dude because he's like the 11th or 12th guy on the roster at this point despite being one of the higher paid guys and it's last season was just so weird he never really got going he had the injury at the start of the season that lost him his starting job which was unfortunate for him but it's not like he was playing particularly well before that the starting five was a disaster with him in there and then instantly became good with OG going in Obviously, that's not all Norm's fault. Kyle was a bit of a slow sh- uh, starter with his shooting. Um, I think Jonas was also kind of not great at the start of the season. He really sort of rounded into form around December and then had a great season. Um, so I don't really know how much it was Norm's fault because, you know, th- th- it's not like that lineup had a ton of time playing together. Just so happened when OG came in, it kind of worked and coalesced and it was great. But um, he just never really found it again. His shot was completely wayward the entire season. He really regressed from what we thought it was going to be in his first couple of years. What... What are even your expectations for Norm this season? Like, what do you want to see from him? What do you think we'll see from him? I just want to see Norm going back to trying to keep things simple. Mm -hmm. You know, what are the things that got him into the rotation, getting him those big playoff moments? It was just coming into the game, 
playing hard defense, uh, getting out in transition, getting easy buckets. Um, and then if a lane opened up uh, when he was on the ball, then t- taking advantage of it and, you know, attacking closeouts. That's that's literally all he did, and that's what got him minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt in this situation, whether it was uh, knowing that, you know, he's got this big contract now and he felt the need to prove himself that he could be even more, um, or whether it was the fact that he lost his starting spot so early that he forced the issue. But uh, I just thought he just tried to do too much. And, you know, there are a number of times where he'd get the ball at the top of the key and then he'd just force a drive and have, you know, terrible balance at the rim and just not be able to finish. And, you know, I, I, I think his defense sagged off a little bit too. And, yeah, I, I, again, I just want to see him go back to doing things as simply as possible, sticking to his role, which, you know, might work out for him because he's back in a situation where he is fighting for minutes mm-hmm. as opposed to coming into a season with a starting role. Yeah, that's totally true. Um, I, I, I kind of disagree. I thought his defense was pretty good last season. I thought that was kind of the saving grace of his season because, you know, he would stink it up on the offensive end but then kind of regain it a little bit on the other end, just kind of you know, always kind of giving effort and, you know, getting deflections and stuff like that. I, maybe that's just me thinking anecdotally about a couple games here and well, there. I mean, but I, I, I don't mean to say that his defense was bad. I just don't think it was as good as yeah. the previous seasons that Yeah, that's, that's that's totally fair. But I think the, the defense he's capable of is kind of what leads me to think that in an ideal world, he probably does play ahead of CJ. Like, if he can get, get back on track, back on track, you know, Norm ahead of CJ in the rotation makes a lot of sense if they're trying to go with this having good defenders on the court at all times thing. Obviously, Norm's not the defender that Danny Green or uh, or Kawhi is or OG, but he kind of, if you're looking to have at all times some switchy defenders out there at the wing spots to help, you know, whatever, keep the the bigs who are not particularly mobile kind of insulated and keep them near the basket as much as you possibly can like it might not be the worst thing to have norm out there who has shown he can be a pretty good at the point of attack defender you know sleeps off the ball a little bit but um you know still you know is has has a track record of being a good defender at times so uh, i think just the uh, based on what happened with last season maybe this is just an overcorrection in my brain where i'm trying to think of how the raptors can avoid what happened at the end of last season and against elite teams last year with their defense and i think the best way to do that is just not have any bad defenders on the court at all times and if you can kind of have norm edge out miles which again kind of sucks because miles is such a good dude and like Lauren's lovely to follow on Twitter, and they just seem like a like a, just a wonderful pair of people. And CJ's a great dude to talk to, and I, like I'm not rooting for him to lose minutes at all, but it might honestly be in the best interest of the team if Norm can kind of you know not just for this season, but also for the remainder of Norm's contract, if Norm can kind of get back to where we thought he was going to be a couple years ago, and just sort of be the fourth wing in this maybe you know supplant. CJ in the bench unit a little bit and kind of be that third wing out there or the second wing out there alongside DeLon or whatever it is. I don't know. It's uh, What do you think is the ideal sort of breakdown for how Norm and CJ's minutes and roles get distributed this year? So I think the key with Norm, uh, just to finish off with him, yeah. is uh, just knowing what he is as a shooter. He's had... 450 NBA three-point attempts now, yeah. and he's at 32%. Yeah. So um, that's what he shot in the 2016-17 season. Uh, in the 2015-16 season, he shot 40%, which I think is 
probably an unrealistic expectation. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's quite as bad as the 28.5% he shot last season. So if he's in that 32 uh, to 34 range, then you can see why CJ would supplant him, mm. even though Norm is the better defender. But, you know, if he can get above that 36% clip, then it, it, you start to see the potential, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that's the key with Norm in terms of whether or not he can supplant CJ. Uh, but again, I think it's interesting because of the shooters around him as well now, right? If you, if you can put a Danny Green and a Kawhi, uh, Serge Ibaka, I mean, even Jonas is productive offensively. Um, if you have all those guys around him, maybe his shooting doesn't matter as much, right? Mm-hmm. So I think, I think <laughs> there's both sides to, to the coin with each of these guys. You know, with CJ, you've got better defensive guys around him that can hide that. With Norm, you've got better shooters around him that can hide that. So um, it might just be a situational thing with, with those two guys on a given night, you know, what the Raptors are looking for and mm-hmm. what Nurse is looking for. Um, and if he feels he needs the extra defender and other guys have the hot hand, then he can go with Norm. If uh, other guys are having an off night and you know the defense is going to be there, then you turn to CJ. So let's look ahead to... I know that doesn't answer your question at all. No, no. That, that that's <laughs> No one ever answers questions on podcasts. We just talk about stuff until we forget what the question was. Um, <laughs> uh, let's look ahead to the last week of the regular season. Who do we think is sort of the incumbent starter at the two for the Raptors? Because like Danny Green is probably going to come in with that job. I mean, this isn't a podcast about Danny Green, but um, like I'm having a hard time. This is so weird because so before the trade happened, I was assuming that you know obviously Demar was going to go. I was kind of expecting OG to go, and I wasn't expecting Danny Green to come back. And I was just building up in my head, like, if the Raptors are getting Kawhi, this just means Norm is going to start at the two, and we'll have to see what happens, and they'll ride or die with that. And so when it, that responsibility is not being heaped on, on heaped on Norm now, just because they made the trade that they did, I've just kind of, like, had to recalibrate my thinking a little bit. And it's like, oh, we don't have to rely on Norm to be an amazing player for the Raptors this season. But I do think there's a chance that he kind of, over the course of the season, I would not bet against him kind of carving out that starter, starting role just because of Danny Green's inconsistency and because of C.J. Miles' defensive you know, deficiencies and because of the heights that we've seen Norm get to at some point in his career. Like, and I mean, he saved their asses twice in the playoffs. He's been a very useful player and had a lot of potential and flashes. And when he had that stretch where he started like 15 games for Damari Carroll in the 2016-17 season, he was really good in all of the games he started. So, like, I don't think it's far-fetched to suggest that by the end of the season, we're looking at Norm as the incumbent starter between Kyle and Kawhi as the 1, 2, and 3. Do you think that's insane? Who do you think will have that starter's job by the end of the season? I, I don't think it's insane to think that. Um, I disagree with it. Mm-hmm. I think I think uh, Danny Green will maintain the job. Uh, this might be a weird reason, but um, I think he'll be good enough in that starting role to where... You know, if you're looking at Kawhi's happiness, you want to keep someone that's, you know, someone that seems to be one of his good friends and seems to know him really well. If you want, if you can have them play the majority of the minutes together, uh, then I think that does help uh, with Kawhi. Mm-hmm. So, uh, probably a weird thing to think about, but uh, I think all of this stuff plays 
a little bit of a factor. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think as you're winding down uh, towards the playoffs, I also think that Danny Green's experience is a huge factor. Um, and I, I honestly expect a lot uh, out of him this season, especially you know coming off a, a season where he was uh, reportedly injured and played through a lot of it. And um, there were still little things uh, that I noticed from watching San Antonio that he added to his game—a bit of a drive game, a bit of a floater game—which um, are the things you can do when uh, the team superstar is missing and you're sort of searching for offense. So I think there are little things that he will help the team with. Um, I think that defensive understanding that he'll already have with Kawhi will help out as well. So um, I expect him to start with the job. I expect him to finish with the job. And hopefully it continues into the years after. <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, I think I agree with you. I just I don't think it's out of the question. And I do think if I was like ranking guys who I think will be the starting two by the end of the season, I think it would go Danny, then Norm, then like right. then DeLon, then CJ. I'm bad I think like, that's fair. I'm unintentionally bagging on CJ in this. I'm not meaning to. I love CJ. I just I don't think he's going to be particularly folded into the rotation the way that Dwayne did last Dwayne did with him, with him last year. I think a lot of it just because his shooting is not so much like an outlier skill on the team anymore. Like he's not one of the three good shooters on the team. There's just good shooters everywhere. So maybe that skill becomes less in demand and his flaws become a little bit more accentuated. So that's kind of where I'm at there. Um, do you have any more closing thoughts on Norm and, and CJ before we wrap this thing up? Uh, just the points uh, that you were making about Casey. You know, I think the one thing that is different uh, in terms of what Casey had last year and what Nurse has this year is, you know, Casey kind of had to play whack-a-mole with the rotation. You know, it was like, yeah. <laughs> you plug one, one hole and now you've got another one. So it, it was a constant uh, state of sacrificing one thing for the other. Yeah. And Nurse won't really have that. Um, so that's a huge advantage. Um, and it's a good problem to have with all this depth that the Raptors just have never had. God, I feel like I've been so, like, homery and positive in these preview podcasts, but, like, god damn it, man. They're going to be so good. This, this roster is really deep. It is ridiculous. It's really talented, and it has a legitimate superstar. It's so weird, man. That has won the finals MVP. I'm currently writing my uh, rankings post that involves Hito Turgaloo, Jermaine O'Neal, Linus Klaza, Damari Carroll, uh, a bunch of other sad people. It's uh, Dark time. Yeah, it's so much better. <laughs> like, <laughs> God, two years ago, it was like, hey, Damari Carroll is going to be the third best player on the team. He's got the cutting. He's got the secondary ball handling. He's got the shooting and the defense. And now it's Kawhi Leonard in that spot. It's pretty fucking wild. Um, I think that's going to do it for today's show. Vivek, do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, anything you've written lately? Um. The stuff I've written lately, I, I did a piece on, you know, how innovative Nick Nurse can get, and then I sort of looked at, you know, progression candidates, guys that can get better from last season. I'll probably do a regression candidates uh, thing soon. Um, yeah, but, but besides that, you can always catch my work at Sportsnet and Raptors Republic um, and North Pole Hoops, and you can follow me on Twitter at Vivek M. Jacob. 
Right on. You can follow me at Woodley Sean. Subscribe, rate, review on iTunes, please. It's the best way to support the show. Part 5 of Ranking Every Raptor is coming out tomorrow morning. I should probably get my ass writing that, actually. So um, I'm going to hang up here in a second. But first, before I wrap this thing, I just want to say congrats to Blake Murphy on a ridiculously prolific and successful run uh, as the editor-in-chief boss man over at Raptors Republic. Um, I just... Blake's the best, and like he's not going anywhere. He's going to be covering the Raptors just the way he has, and probably more you know prolifically than he ever has. But just uh, it feels like a good time to say the reason Raptors internet is so robust and deep with good writers and personalities and minds and all this stuff. Blake Murphy is the biggest reason for that. I'm convinced of this. You know, just the way that he has championed a lot of really great young writers, a diverse set of young writers in a uh, in a business that is not particularly uh, diverse as a whole, and just the way that he is just so generous with his time. He's one of the reasons I'm in this now. Um, he's he back when I did stuff for like my personal little podcast that I did, just trying to sort of get out there. Blake would come on the show and just be so gracious with his time and so generous and so just he's the best. Blake is amazing and he is the biggest reason Raptors Internet is as big as it is. The standard that he set for like what passes as good is so unattainably high that everyone has to strive to you know, at least kind of come close to it. No one ever does, but um, the standard he set is just raise the level of everybody else. So uh, it's not, he's not dead or anything. He's still around. He's still Blake, and he's going to be ridiculously good at his job still going forward with wherever he is. But just wanted to say that because his run with Raptors Republic is over, and uh, Blake rules. So and never forget it. He is the king. All right, that is going to do it for today's show. I thought you were going to jump in there with some heartfelt words of Vec. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. Um, no, I second everything you said. Blake obviously means a lot to me. Um, you know, I think I've said this before, but the first time I sent in uh, sort of a pitch for Raptors Republic, um, it was pretty bad. Um, <laughs> and, you know, he could have just said no. Mm. And he worked with me through the post. I mean, we probably, I probably, he probably looked at it, sent it back to me, and we went through that cycle like four or five times um, before it was actually ready to go up on the Raptors Republic site. Mm-hmm. And then I tried to learn as quickly from that uh, as, as quickly as possible. And he's been such a great guide and mentor uh, ever since. And yeah, I mean, even for me, where I'm at right now. I owe a ton to him. So, um, yeah, he's incredible. He deserves the best. um, And I look forward to supporting him for as long as he chooses to do this. I just hope he gets to sleep more now with this new job or whatever it is. That would be good. Yep. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, shows to Blake forever, the God King. Uh, All right, that's going to do it. We'll stop being nice now. We'll wrap the podcast there. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back again. Tomorrow, I'm doing an episode with Michael Pina of Vice Sports, previewing the Celtics and Raptors and their tete-a-tete for the entire season that is about to come. Uh, So look out for that. Michael and I, we uh, usually dig dig into our Homer stances pretty well when we talk to each other. It's usually great, so make sure you check it out. Uh, That'll be up tomorrow, probably right around dinner time, so stay tuned for that. And then we'll, we'll have more podcasts as the week goes on as well, previewing the season. And then Friday... I'll be at most likely the Kawhi Leonard press conference. Maybe I can snag a Vivek or someone else. Maybe we'll have like a three-person pod with Dan Reynolds, perhaps. I don't know. 
uh, where we'll talk about the uh, Kawhi press conference after it happens. So stay tuned for that as well. Uh, all right, that's going to do it. We'll talk to you next time on Locked on Raptors. Sweet. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.